0: Thank you. Shalom, y'all. This is why I like to come to Texas. I can say that, and people, I, I just love this. Anyway, i um, trying to learn, you know, the culture and the accent, but whatever I do, I cannot hide my own accent and identity. As you can hear, I'm uh, from Israel, from Jerusalem, born there. Two of my two, my two parents are Jewish, and... Uh, I would like to share with you, I'm kind of trying to sense in the spirit exactly how we should go, but I definitely want to share with you my testimony, and that would lead to why am I here with you this morning, but also some very exciting, you know, we have the word of God, it's the word of God, you know, so I hope that we will have a, somehow God will lead us to some key verses that I want to share with you uh, this morning, so as I mentioned, I'm born in Jerusalem, both my parents are Jewish. My mother's side of the family, by the way, both of them from Germany, Berlin in Germany. My mother's side of the family was able to uh, leave Germany just in time before the, everything started to happen, and they, she arrived to Israel when she was a two-year-old baby. My father's side of the family, it wasn't the case at all. they were very poor, and my grandfather, which I carry, his name Ze'ev, was a tailor. In Berlin, and they didn't have much money, um, and uh, to just to go anywhere they wanted to go and escape. And actually, it wasn't li- like the Jewish people can just go anywhere they wanted to go, even to the United States. Many times, it was a challenge to go. It's not like everyone were accepted. Um, so it was a money issue. It was a, a matter of where to go, um, and to Israel also, it was a challenge because. The British ruled the land of Israel at the time, and you cannot just enter the land just like that. You needed to have some kind of a legal document that would uh, allow you to enter. So um, somehow, through family that already lived in Israel at the time, my, my father's family received one ticket, one entry to Israel, uh, and they were able to pay the money for one person to go on a ship and get there. So for some reason, uh, the decision was made that it will be given to my father. He was 12 years old at the time. He had an older sister and a younger brother but her parents decided that he is the one that should go. Uh, So he left at the age of 12. I have a picture of him standing on a boat and the waves behind him and he's on his way to Israel and he never saw his family ever again. All of them, including a two-year-old baby that died, that came to life, that was born after he left, were all died in Auschwitz. Uh, My grandparents, I never had grandparents, I never had uncles or cousins or nieces and all that. This is just words for me. It's not something that I ever had. My mother was the only child, and uh, my father's side basically all burnt in Auschwitz. So... uh, that's why, even though I was born in Jerusalem, which some people may consider, you know, the holy place or whatever, for me it wasn't anything holy about that. It was just the place that I grew up. And my parents actually never taught me to believe in God or believe in the Bible or anything like that. I grew up as a secular Jewish man in Jerusalem. Uh, more than half of the population in Israel, by the way, today are secular. And, um, I just lived my life. I just wanted to, you know, do what every kid wanted to do, play soccer, whatever. Nothing was special about Jerusalem to me, and I definitely didn't believe in God, because if God exists, how did he, and if we are the Jewish people, are his chosen people, how come that he just allowed all my family to die in Auschwitz, along with six million other Jewish people just in the last century? I mean, this is like a big question. So my father, even though he, he was raised as a, in an Orthodox uh, religious Jewish family in Berlin, uh, he didn't teach me to believe in God. Uh, now we did celebrate, you know, the, the Jewish uh, traditional feasts, which is really way more than that now. I realize it's God-appointed times, but at, but at the time, it, you know, it's, this is like a Jewish people, this is what we do. So we did celebrate Passover and everything like that and different things. Uh, But it didn't mean anything to me. It just didn't mean anything to me. And I wasn't even thinking. If you would ask me, I wouldn't say that I was searching for God or anything like that. Not at all. I had my own plans for my life. After serving in the uh, Israeli Defense Force, the Army, the IDF, which is mandatory in Israel. So boys serve for three years and girls two years. So after doing that, I went and I started advertising. And I started to work in the advertising field in Israel, writing commercials for different things, television, billboards, radio, newspaper, all that. And I did pretty well. Uh, But after about three years of doing that, I really wanted to give a chance to a big dream that I had since childhood, and that was about producing music. And um, I went to London to study music production, and my plan was to go there, to learn how to do all that computer stuff, to make music, to have a few hits on MTV and channels like that to make a lot of money, and I'm still working on it now, but um, that was my plan. And, um, but something different happened when I was in London. I was already, how old I was? I was like 25 when I moved to London, and I studied, started my studies, and on my way from where I studied to where I lived, I had to take the bus, you know, London, those two, you know two stories red buses and i'm sitting up up at the second floor of the bus looking around and everything looks pretty normal you know busy street people walk by stores and everything like that but all of a sudden something very unusual grabbed my attention i saw that one of the stores you know as i was you know as the bus was moving along one of the stores had a very unusual store sign and it says Jews for Jesus. Right. I thought, those people are confused. <laughs> I mean, how, you can you believe, how can you be a Jewish man and believe in Jesus? This is like a complete contradiction. Right. It's like I will tell you, you're going down here in Denton and you see a store, Christian for Muhammad. Right. I mean, what would you think of them? This is like, they're nuts, Right. So anyway, so I was going back and forth like for about two years and every time I pass by, I see this weird sign. And it took about two years until for whatever reason, I was walking down that street rather than being on a bus and I see this place and I realize, oh, this is, this is the, the place. So I really wanted to go in to see how I can maybe help them or something. <laughs> I wanted to walk in, but unfortunately the door was closed. So all I can do is like, just look through the glass window and I see, uh, in a very unprofessional way, just like boards like that with scriptures written in Hebrew, handwriting written Hebrew, Just I'm just looking and I'm seeing all those verses in Isaiah and Jeremiah and all that. Okay, I figured it must be from the Bible, it has like a name, Jewish name. And it's a few numbers, so it must be the chapter and the verses or whatever. It's probably the Bible, it's in Hebrew and all that. But why is it here in Law? Everything about it was weird. But then I look down and I see on a little shelf over there behind the window a very small red book, and it says in Hebrew, Habrit HaChadasha, the New Covenant, in Hebrew. And I thought, Who needs the New Testament in Hebrew? This is the Bible for the Christians. We Jews, if we want to believe in God and play religious and all that, in my mind at the time, we have a big enough book. You know, we don't need any (laughs) extensions and everything. We have enough. We have enough. We don't need that in Hebrew now. But I was curious. I mean, it's just so unusual. I never expected to see anything like that in my life. So the next day I went back in. I went back, I entered the store, and I met a, a young man. I was in my 20s. He was in his 20s, a uh, few younger than me, and to my shocking surprise, the guy looked normal. <laughs> he was pretty nice, and he wasn't, you know, he didn't dress like a religious Jew or anything like that. You know, in Jerusalem, you know, we, we have like the Jew, you know, the, the religious areas and the secular neighborhoods, and all I know about the religious, is that they look weird in my eyes, they wear these black coats and hats and everything, even and it's like so hot outside, and they still wear coats and hats and everything is going around and things with the hair and all that. And he looked normal. So he even had a piercing in his nose. I thought that's cool. I was a little bit, I, he wouldn't recognize me right now. But anyways, so I'm starting to speak with him and I asked him, well, what is it all about? He's saying, well, we're Jewish. He said about himself, he's Jewish. And uh, he believes God, although he dressed like that. And uh, he believes the Bible is true. Everything in the Bible is true. And that's why he said he believed that Yeshua is the Messiah. I said, who? He said, Yeshua. I never heard the name Yeshua in my life. And then I realized, oh, you He's talking about Jesus, obviously, but Yeshua, we don't call him Yeshua. We call him Yeshu. Now, here's the deal. Rabbis, centuries ago, they just changed Yeshua's name from Yeshua, which is four Hebrew letters. They took the last letter out, and now instead of Yeshua, everyone in Israel called Jesus Yeshu. And there is a big difference. Why is that? Because Yeshua in Hebrew means salvation. That's the meaning of his name. Now, Matthew chapter 1 tells us that the angel speaks to Joseph and telling him that the name of the child will be Yeshua because, he gives the reason why his name will be Yeshua, because he will save his people from their sins. Right? So, Yeshua equals he will save his people from their sins. He is their savior. He is the salvation. I said, Okay that makes sense if there is something like that and I didn't even believe in God but if there is any Messiah Yeshua sounds like a fitting name for that and I said you know what I'm a very logical person at the time in high school I graduated like computer programming and all that zeros and one and black and white and true and false so there's only two options here either he's crazy this guy most probably or what he's saying is the truth there's nothing in between it's either yes Oh, no. And I said, well, you know what? I'm interested enough. I want to figure it out for myself to see what's the right answer here. So he gave me the New Testament in Hebrew and some other uh, books that points about talks about prophecies and things like that. And I started to read in the Bible. And I just absolutely couldn't believe my eyes. I mean, there are things in our Jewish Bible that seem to be very Christian. What do I mean? I look and uh, I see, for example, Micah chapter 5. It says that a king will be born to God, to be a ruler for God in Bethlehem. Now I know Bethlehem. I live in Jerusalem. I just look over and I see Bethlehem. I know where it is exactly. Uh, But I see all the Christians go there and the tourists and all that and big crosses and whatever. But this is the Christians, but I see here, it says that the king from, for God will be born in Bethlehem, and not just that, not just any king. It says in Hebrew, I'm translating that his origins will be before the foundations of the world. may kedem, before the foundations of the world. So what is this king? What is like God or something? You know He, he existed before the foundations in the, of the world, in Bethlehem. Okay, then I continue to read, and for example, I see in Isaiah chapter 7, it says that God will give us a sign. Now, this prophecy talks specifically about the tribe of Judah, and more specifically about the house of David. So God will give a sign to the house of David, and the sign will be that uh, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and he shall call his name Emmanuel. in Hebrew, Emmanuel, God with us, Emmanuel. You know, it's not like a very difficult language. It's pretty much what we speak today, what you read in the Bible. Now, a sign is something supernatural, you know. When God says, I'm going to give you a sign, it's not just like, okay, uh, tomorrow you'll go and you'll see a flower. You know, you, you can see it any day. This is a sign. This is something unusual, so people can say, ha-ha, this is a sign. This is God is speaking to us. So this is a, the virgin birth. I said, the virgin birth this is what the Christians believe. They believe that there would be a virgin birth and he and, and will be God with us and all that. Weird. Why is it in the Bible? Now, as I said, I didn't even believe the Bible or I, never, or I didn't believe in God. My only point of reference that I could relate to was that what we call, what some people may call today the Old Testament meaning all the Word of God before the writing of the New Covenant, was written historically way before the time of Jesus was born. The last book in the, in the Tanakh, we call it Tanakh, uh, was written uh, 400 years before the birth of uh, Yeshua. That's the book of Malachi. So it was written before. I knew that for a fact. And now I, I'm searching and seeing everything that is written there. And I'm absolutely shocked. Then... We, I read more prophecies. For example, in, in Isaiah 53, it so clearly says—you know—I can read a few. You know, you know the chapter, but it so clearly says that there will be a servant that will come. God calls him my servant, and clearly he will die as, to take our sins, our, the punishment of our sins, for himself. It says here, let's say in 53 verse 6, it says, We all like sheep have gone astray, we turned each and every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now please understand, well, it's God speaking through Isaiah, but Isaiah is Jewish. He's, prof- he's, t- he's saying that prophecy to the Jewish people. It didn't went. Elsewhere in the world to to say that. He's speaking to the Jewish people. And he's saying, we. You know, when he says we, he talks about us, the Jewish people. We, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on on him the iniquity of us all. He's talking to, to Jewish people. Okay? So, clearly, that servant that is described here, he came to die, according to this prophecy not just for other nations, first and foremost, within the context of the prophecy here, he died for us, for we, for the Jewish people. Okay? And I see it over here, but so, so shockingly, I see within the same context, it says, he is despised and rejected by men, rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we, again we, talking about Jewish people, right? And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. So the same one that died for our sins, we reject him. And we see it right here. And I'm thinking, wow, isn't that exactly what happened with this Jesus? Bethlehem, virgin birth, died for our sins and we reject him. Right. Now that's not enough. There's so much more. You know, it started to come like a big puzzle game. I put like pieces of information together and remember, I don't know, I don't believe God, I don't believe the word of God at the time, but I'm still honestly reading what it's here. Now, now I can say I know what's, what was happening really. I was exposing myself to the word of God Amen. and God was starting to work in, in my heart. You know, the Word of God is the most powerful thing that exists. There's nothing more powerful than the Word of God. It says that the Word of God is alive and active in Hebrews 4. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide between soul and spirit. In, in Romans 1.16, Paul is saying, Paul, by the way, is Jewish. His name really is Shaul, like King Saul, Shaul. His name is Shaul. So Shaul is saying, a Jewish man, a very orthodox, religious Jewish man that came to faith, and he's saying that he's I'm not ashamed of the gospel yes. because why? Because it's the power of God. Yes. It's not his power, uh-huh. it's the power of God unto salvation. And you know, I've been to so many churches instead including a church that I attend here in Carolina, it's getting better there. But for some reason, people think that Romans 1.16 of end here. They think this is the verse. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation, period. Right. It's not. The verse continues, by the way, and it says to everyone who believes, and then it says unashamedly to the Jew first and also to the nations. Now, does it make sense? Yes. The Jews are more important? No. That God loved the Jewish people more than anyone else? No. But like we see here, the the promise of salvation came from Israel. Like we see from Isaiah chapter 9, it was prophecy about the the house of David. And then Isaiah is speaking about we, about the Jewish people. And he would come from Israel. You know, in John chapter 4, Yeshua is saying to the Samaritan lady, woman, it says that salvation is of the Jews. Right? So it just makes sense that you know this is like like a family that's being extended, but you start with the immediate family, right? right. So it's the same kind of a simple logic that we see here. So not just that, even on the timeline, when exactly it should happen. Well, we read in, in Daniel chapter nine, the, the angel comes to Daniel after he prayed and fasted for twenty-one days, and then he comes to him. And he tells him that he will tell him secrets. Uh, and, and then he's starting to describe about the Messiah. And he's saying very, now at the time of Daniel, it was in, in Babylon, so the first temple was destroyed at that time. It was the Babylonian exile, okay? And that's the time when the angel speaks to Daniel. And he's telling him, okay, this is what's going to happen. The temple is going to be rebuilt, okay? And then the Messiah will be cut off, Yikaret Mashiach. Messiah will be cut off, and then the temple will be destroyed. Right. So you know exactly, you know, the time, the season, where the Messiah should be cut off. Like we understand from Isaiah 53, to die for a sin. Now the word cut off, Yikaret, it the, it's the has two meanings in Hebrew. One is what you do when you chop, chop off, chop out, whatever you say, a tree. When you chop a tree, when you cut a tree you don't just cut it, you koret. That's that's the word specifically when you cut a tree, koret. But it's also a word in the Bible, every time God is cutting a covenant, making a covenant. So yikaret mashiach, you see there is a covenant. It's related to covenant because of this Hebrew word, koret, karat. So I see it over here. And so many things, and I see other nations from other prophecies, coming to faith in the Messiah of Israel, in this Jewish man, Yeshua, and through faith in Him, comes to saving faith and to a relationship and a covenant with the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I'm sitting there in London and I'm thinking, wow, it's all here written historically before Again, I'm thinking in my mind, well, I don't believe God. I don't believe the word of God. But something is starting to happen in my heart without me even knowing that. So that same nice person that I met in that store, we visited every so often. And after about three months from that day, we, we, we met again. We sit in some kind of a bar, coffee shop place in London. And he asked me if I want to pray. Say what? Pray? What do you mean pray? I'm 27 years old. I never prayed in my life. What do you mean pray now? So he's saying, well, he said, well, if you believe, you need to confess, you need to tell it to God. That's right. That's right. Now, he, we've, of course, we've been in touch for many years, so he, he tells a story why he asked me if I wanted to pray, because we talked about the Holy Spirit, and I asked him, okay, well, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? So he told me, he told me okay, you need to pray. Okay, so I said, look, I don't know what you're talking about, really. Uh, you tell me what I think I should say, and uh, let's just do it in segments. And I'll examine, you know. And if, if I agree, I'll say. If no, 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 big deal. Okay. So he's saying something, and I'm thinking about it. And I say, yes, sure, I believe that. So I repeat after him. And then he says something else, and I'm thinking about it. Oh yeah, that's exactly what I read here in this prophecy and everything. Yes, I sure, yeah, I believe that. So I repeat after him. And he continues like that for like a minute or two, and all of a sudden this guy Aaron is so happy. I said, What happened? <laughs> he's telling me you believe. I said, I do?
1: <laughs>
0: and then I thought for a second, I say, I actually believe that. Hey, wow. You were speaking to me like two minutes before, I would say, I don't believe in God, don't believe the Bible, blah blah blah. And all of a sudden I can actually honestly say it. From my heart I actually believe that. <laughs> Praise God. So my time in London was over, just a little bit after that. Um, I'm still not famous in MTV or anything like that. Nothing like that happened. But then I'm going back to Israel and I'm to Jerusalem to my father, Yosef, Joseph. Um, and I'm telling him, Abba, Yeshua is our Messiah. I believe that. Uh, It's all over the Bible. Yeshua is our Messiah. Now, my father, when I was born, they tried many years between me and my one sister and many miscarriages and whatever. They almost lost faith, uh, you know, to have another child. And I was born when my father was 45 and my mother was uh, 41. So at the time, my my father was over... 70 already, and he already had cancer. And I'm coming to him, and I'm saying that I believe in, in Yeshua. In his mind, I'm saying, Jesus, you know, it takes time for Jewish people to relate to it as anything Jewish. Right. And, um, oh, he, he didn't like that. I mean, he didn't, he didn't disown me or anything like that, like sometimes it would happen. He would never do that. But he was really hoping that this is just a little phase in my life, and I can go back, you know, to normal living. <laughs> um, then I met my wife, she's a Jewish believer as well. She came to Israel from the United States after college and then we got married uh, pretty fast, even faster than your pastor. But uh, I don't tell you how much faster, it's embarrassing, but uh, the <laughs> don't, please don't tell them. Uh, anyways, and then, you know, so my father realized, well, it's not a phase now, the phase continues. Uh, but uh, I was t- really trying to share it with him and my mother, but my father was the one that really knew the Bible so well. Maybe even, you know, even now, after the few years that I'm a believer from 99, he probably knew the Bible better than I did. Not being religious, he just loved to read, and he, this is the Jewish book for him, you know? So he, he loves it. It's a beautiful language. It's beautiful Hebrew. So we appreciate it for so many reasons, but really without faith in God uh, b- because of the way his life started. And uh, it was a long, 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 long journey with my father. And um, the cancer got worse. And it was just inside the hospital, outside the hospital all the time, ambulances and all that. But about a year and a half before my father died, he came to faith in Yeshua. Yes. And then... And that was 2010. I lost both my parents in the last five years. My father died 2010, and then I buried him myself. I didn't want rabbis and everything like that. I just did the whole ceremony myself. I didn't expect that, but it turned to be that way. And then, soon after he died, the cancer came back to my mother, and then now we went through the phase with my mother. And then, about a year before she died, she came to faith in Yeshua as well. I don't think you can see it from here, but I carry it in my Bible. It's from September 16, 2011, it says. And this is my mother with a lady from Sri Lanka, kind of head to head. Why are they together, the lady from Sri Lanka? Well, because in Israel, in the type of assistant that you get with, when you get very sick, you can have a, not a nurse, but someone usually from the Far East comes and kind of stay with you at home and assist you. So... The Lord sent this lady Nirmala from Sri Lanka. She used to be a Buddhist until 1996, and then she got saved. I mean, she got saved. And then God took her from Sri Lanka and put her in Israel. Then my parents left Jerusalem. They live next to my sister now in Haifa. Bloop, put her in my mother's little condo in Haifa, and we were there. We were interviewing different people to come, and many of them are like Buddhist or whatever. And then she came, and I see a cross, necklace. So I'm there, um, and I say, oh, I see, I like your necklace. So she's telling me, oh, yeah, born again, born again, born again, born again, born again, born again, born again. Born again, born again. I said, good. So she hardly knew any Hebrew. She, her English also very broken, but she knew the Lord. And she was just, you know, just she had a room in this little place and she prayed and she had her Bible. And slowly but surely, God started to work through her. And the, I can tell you the story, but I don't want to take too much time about that. But anyhow, God, I mean, of course, I shared with my mother and I did whatever I can. But God really used her from Sri Lanka to bring my mother to faith. I even left Israel at the time. And I was already in the United States when it happened. And my mother told me over the phone exactly uh, how the whole thing happened. Basically, the short story is that every night uh, after she put my mother in bed, she was telling her, uh, God bless you. And uh, my mother is telling me this over the phone when I'm here in the United States. And she's telling me, well, she's telling me every night, God bless you. And yesterday, my mother is telling me, I answered her and I said, God bless you, and it's all in English, you know, it's weird. God bless you, praise the Lord, my mother is saying. And she's like calling to tell me that. So I'm saying, wow, okay, what, what, what do you mean? Praise the Lord. Who is the Lord? So she's telling me, God. So I kind of quiet. She said, I know you're a little bit disappointed maybe because you wanted me to say Yeshua. I said, right. I said, it doesn't matter. You know, God is Yeshua. Yeshua is God. It doesn't matter. So all of a sudden, she, she, she just believes. And she, then I buried her right next to my father, preaching hard to the rest of my unsaved family. I'm the only one that believes. You know, the rest of my family, like my sister and her big family over there and all the different people, no one believes. It's just me and my parents that now with Jesus. The rest are still uh, unsaved. Um, Anyways, I came back to Israel from London and with my father and all that, and I went back to advertising. For about six more years, I was in writing commercials and all that, and I'm trying to witness to everyone in the office about the number of people over here. And people get fired and someone else comes in. It's very dynamic, so I'm able to share with different people and all that. But after a while, I realized this is not enough. This is not enough to share the gospel in Israel with this number of people. I mean hardly anyone believes you know in Israel today there are six million Jewish people six million same number that died in the Holocaust how many of six million Jewish people in Israel do you think believe in Jesus about what would you think 1% okay anyone else 20% last one 10 so have 1% 10 and 20% who do you think was the closest no one I wish you were close, but it's really like, more like 0.02%. It's about 10,000 out of 6 million. So we want to reach the word for Jesus, huh? How about Israel? Now I want to share with you, um, so yeah, I became, so I left advertising and I, I became a street evangelist with those weird groups from Jews for Jesus, like the ones from London. Here I am, one of them now with the the t-shirts and everything and the gospel tracks, trying to engage and share the gospel with as many people as I can on a daily basis for four years, not easy in Israel. You're like the worst enemy of the nation when you do that because they think what the Nazis couldn't do in Auschwitz, you want to do now to our souls because the, the Holocaust is really combined in Jewish mind with Jesus. The, yes, there is also a reason for that. We know history, and we know one of the books that really influenced uh, Adolf Hitler was a book written um, years before that by uh, Martin Luther, believe it or not. He kind of went crazy towards the end of his life, and he really be- uh, he started very well. You know, he said, you know, we are the younger brother in the faith and Israel and all that. He, he never, uh, he w- wasn't very successful in sharing the gospel with the jewish people so then he became angry and hateful to the jewish people he is, was very sick at the time as well and he started to write demonic things against the jewish people you can google it up uh, it's a book called concerning the jews and their lies and he comes up with a specific plan of what to do with those jewish people the synagogues are the house of demons full of demons we should burn all their bibles we should uh, lock them up in a little uh, neighborhoods. we should uh, prevent them to teach the Bible, prevent them to uh, celebrating the, the feast of, of the Jewish people, and so many more, like, a detailed list. You can read it in the book. And Adolf Hitler basically followed that, uh, took it to an, another level, but he really was starting by doing with exactly what Martin Luther has said. So the Holocaust is really looked at something that Christianity did for Jewish people, and there is some truth to it. There is some truth. For sure, Christianity throughout the generations massacred the Jewish people. Uh, the pogroms in Russia, burning, killing, raping, in the name of Jesus, Jewish people, unless you convert, you die. In Spain, the Inquisition, you either uh, be baptized or you be killed. And many chose death over uh, baptism to Christianity. You see, the major problem with this, those Christians They thought they didn't know the Bible. They thought that Jewish people need to convert to Christianity in order to be saved. Let me tell you something. I'm saved. I never converted to Christianity. Let me explain what I mean. Am I a Christian? Yes. I would call it messianic. Same word. Christ is Messiah. So I follow Messiah. So I'm messianic. I'm Christian. Same thing for me. Although for Jewish ears, there is a big difference here. While you were communicating the same Message, there is a big, big difference in that. The Messiah of Israel, there is, I mean, he's the most Jewish man ever lived. He's Jewish from the tribe of Judah, from, from the house of David. He's the most Jewish person ever lived. And he's going to come back as a Jew again, by the way. He's coming back not as the Catholic or Pope or something. He's coming back as a Jew, as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So, so no need to convert. The Messiah of Israel didn't come fulfilling all those promises of the Hebrew prophets. He didn't come to the Jewish people to convert them to another religion so they can be saved. This is just a ridiculous thought. You see, you don't need to convert. Do you need to be born again? Absolutely. But you are a a spiritual dead Jew, and then you're born again, and and you're born again Jew now. That's it. You never convert to another religion. Jewish people, when you say convert... You think, okay, you're not Jewish anymore. Right. Forget about it. I'm not going to do I'm Jewish. All my family died in Auschwitz because I'm Jewish. Okay? I'm not, not, not going to be anything else, and I don't need to be anything else. Right. The right. disciples never converted to any other religions. They were Jewish people. Amen. Everyone in the Last Supper, which was Passover, uh, were just Jewish people. You know, and everything was fine. He never said to them, you know, this is the cup of the new covenant, but you only can do it if you convert to Christianity. You know, he never said that, and he never meant that, and that's not God's plan. Jewish people are Jewish people. You're either going to be saved or an unsaved Jew, and whatever other nation, you're either saved or unsaved Costa Rican or whatever. Right? Same thing. You don't need to convert to Judaism. Jewish people don't need to convert to Christianity. Now, I want to... How many minutes do I still have? Until what time? About. About. <laughs> Maybe sooner than you think. Um, so I better, I better rush if it's the rapture. Okay. Uh, um, no, I just want to show you something. I think it's beautiful. Okay, I want to show you something from the book of um, Isaiah. If you can open your Bibles... Isaiah chapter 49. And really, before I, I want to bring up a question, okay? When you think about Israel, okay? If you ever think about Israel, and when you do, what do you think about? Okay, if I ask, okay, Israel, what do you think about Israel? What do you think? Promised land. Promised land. Okay, anything else? chosen people. Anything else? Protected by God. God. Anything else? Wars. Wars. Last one? Diversity. Diversity. Okay. All true. But let's see what the Word of God says. Okay? Everything you said is true. But there is something more significant that I believe biblically, and also because of the Holy Spirit, I think when God thinks about Israel, this is the main thing that This is the main point about Israel. So let's see Isaiah 49. I'm going to read from the beginning. Okay? It says like that. Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples, from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb. From the matrix of my mother he has made mention of my name. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his Hand he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver he has hidden me. And he said to me, You are my servant, O Israel. Okay, so he's naming that servant, how? What's his name? Israel. Israel. Okay, let's continue. In whom I will be glorified. Okay? Okay. So God will be glorified in this servant that he called Israel, right? And then it says, verse 4, Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my just reward is with the Lord and my work with my God. So you almost see like some kind of a disappointment that the servant feels like he's not able to achieve what he was called to do. And we'll mention that uh, in a few minutes. But then we continue. Verse 5, it says, And now the Lord says, Who formed me from the womb. See how many times the womb. Formed me from the womb to be his servant. Now, now job description. Come, coming up, job description. Why, is, why, what God called his servant to do. Okay, let's see. To bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him. Let's think for a second if that makes sense. Okay, the name of the servant was Israel, okay? Now, he should do what? He should bring Jacob. Who is Jacob? Jacob is Israel. Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him. Okay, how can Israel gather Israel? What's going on? Okay, let's continue. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of my Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says... It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. So God is saying to this servant, Yes, definitely I called you, like I just said in the previous verse, to bring Jacob back to God and and so that Israel is gathered back to him. But now he's saying there is something more to this job description. And he's saying it again. It's not just to raise up the tribe of Jacob. It definitely is for that. That's the first thing he's mentioning here twice. It's not just for that. And it's not just to restore the preserved one of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Who is this Israel? Israel. Who is the one that came to save Israel and also was the one that God called to be his light to the nations and to be his salvation to the ends of the earth? It's Yeshua. What's his name over here? Israel. You know, he has different names like Emmanuel and and different names. But one of his names, his identity, who he is, is Israel. You know, Jesus said to the Samaritan women, salvation is of the Jews. Right? And it's coming from Israel. And so what I'm trying to say, tell you, next time you see this Israeli flag over there, which I so love the fact that you have it. When you see this flag, yes, you can think about the promised land. You can, you can think about all those things which are true. But really, the main thing, you know, this is the Star of David there in the middle. This David, the son of David, we're talking about Yeshua. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus is Israel. Now let me explain that. Israel can never fulfill that promise because we all fall, sh- fall short. You know, we cannot be allied to the nations because we have darkness in our hearts. Like any other uh, group of people. doesn't matter which group God would choose, you know, they will need to be born again. Right, Yeshua said to Nicodemus, the rabbi, in uh, John chapter 3, you cannot be, uh, enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Okay, So just like it's true for Nicodemus or any di- Jewish person, that's true for anyone. So we, Israel, could never fulfill that call unless one will be born from a virgin, from the tribe of Judah, the, the house of David, like we read in Isaiah chapter 7. Because then he's not being born by a corrupted seed. He's not carrying. He's not a sinful seed in a sense. He's pure. We needed one from Israel that will be both Jewish, from his mother's side, and adopted legally by a Jewish man from the tribe of the uh, uh, from the house of David as well. His father. So legally, he's Jewish because his father adopted him in a sense. And then his mother is Jewish, or his. Jewish by birth of his mother. We needed all this human side of this Jewish Messiah from Israel, but also we need to be sinless and that's why I need to be born from a virgin. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. He cannot be the atonement for me because if he wasn't born from a, from a virgin... Because, because he had to carry my sin. Otherwise, he would need, just like any other high priest, first he would need to bring sacrifices for himself and his household, like we read in Leviticus. But he's not that. He's pure. But yet he's Jewish. Yes, he is from Israel. He must be a man. And he must be from Israel. This is his servant that, basically, because of this servant Israel, you all, hopefully, are saved. So thinking about missions, and I'm so excited even just by the name of your church. I'm excited in the spirit because I know I met your pastor uh, just two weeks ago because God wanted that to happen. And clearly you have such a huge heart for missions and evangelism. And this is amazing. I wish every church that I was speaking in would be so mission-oriented as, as, as you are. But, but here is my request to you. Ask God to reveal to you in your heart what He has for you, to, how He can use you to share the gospel with Israel, with Yeshua's own people. Amen. Talking about unreached people group, the Jewish people are pretty much unreached. Percentage-wise, I think it's probably one of the lowest in the whole world And there is also a very significant reason to share the gospel with the Jewish people other than just being motivated and moved by the Holy Spirit with the love of God. It's because Yeshua himself said, I want to read that verse to you, in Matthew chapter 23, he's prophesying over Jerusalem. And he's saying in Matthew 23, starting from verse 37, he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her cheeks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more until... Until what? Until you say... Until who will say? You. He's speaking to Jerusalem. When he speaks to Jerusalem, he doesn't speak to the stones and the walls. He's speaking to the people of Jerusalem, the center of Israel, the center of the Jewish people. He's speaking to the Jewish people and say, You will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, until this not happens, until we don't wake up as a church, stop killing Jews and burning Jews and doing all those things and starting to share the gospel with the Jewish people, specifically with everyone, but more specifically in Israel, in Jerusalem, until we see that, the Jewish people will recognize who is the Messiah and welcome him back and say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yeshua is not coming back. I mean, God will not leave us out. He's basically waiting for the gospel to be spread out to all the corners of the world. This is one plane that is working. This is one clock that is ticking. But it's not the only clock that is ticking. Because even if this is completed, there is another clock that is ticking. It's not coming back until this happens. And this is what you read over here. Until the Jewish people will welcome the Messiah. Well, I don't know. It's not probably not all the Jewish people. Or maybe it's the ones that are left. Because we're going to have a lot of trouble coming in Israel. We know that. But we definitely know that those Jewish people cannot welcome the Messiah unless they come to faith. Right? Now, how, how do we come to faith? Biblically, we come to faith, it says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing. And hearing by proclaiming the word of Christ, It said in Greek. Some translation says God, that's true. Christ, the Messiah, is God. But the Greek says Christ, meaning the gospel. Meaning we need to talk people about Yeshua, not just about God. You know, you're not saved because you believe in God. You're saved because you believe in God, enter a new covenant with Him through Yeshua, Right? I'm a sinner, he died for my sins, he was buried, and he rose again. If you believe that, that's the gospel, then you are saved, and this is what the Jewish people need to hear. That's why I left being a missionary on the streets four years ago, and I just realized there is a better way. There is a way to reach more people so we, so, so we can get to this place Then the Jewish people are saved. First of all, every day Jewish people die without Jesus, and they're going to hell. So you can love Israel by whatever, you know, uh, support this party on that, this party, it is important. You can go to a trip, you can pray for Israel, and this is all very important. The prayer is, is the basic of everything, but I see prayer more as like plowing the ground. Plowing the ground, we need to plow the ground, but there are seeds that needs to be planted as well. And that seed is the word of God. That seed is the word of God and people need to hear People don't hear because we pray. People may, may be more uh, have a better soil in their heart because we pray, hopefully, or, or, or things like that. But still, we need to sow, and we need to sow the Word of God. So I, that's why I started the project, which I want to show you just briefly how it works. Let me say that just that. Just in the last few, few months, I ran a very short test run for this thing that I'm just going to launch big time. Um, And I have uh, nearly 45,000 Jewish people in Israel hearing the gospel. 45,000. And I want to show you how it works. This project is called Hear, O Israel. You have it on those cards. And the reason it is because faith comes by hearing. Okay? And what it is, it's basically the people of Israel need to hear the gospel. They need to hear whatever we read here in the New Testament. This is the gospel. They never read that. Because they they don't think, like I did, we don't think it's even related to us. We think it's about, not about something that relates to us. We think it's a book about the Pope. Most Jewish people would say it's probably talk about the Pope and how you choose a Pope or how you kill Jews, like instructions. We don't think it talks about the coming of our Messiah. So, the problem is the book does not exist in Hebrew in bookstores in Israel. There is such a spiritual opposition, we we don't carry that in bookstores in Israel. So how can they read that? How can they see that? Well, the other problem, even if it was in a bookstore, as I said, it's not a book that Jewish people would like to read. Okay? It's not for us. And the third problem is that it's simply a book. What do I say by that? Well, people just don't read books as much as they used to. Every year, less and less and less and less and less and less and less, people read books. Instead, what do they do? They spend time online. And what they prefer to do online is not reading. It's just viewing YouTube YouTube videos and things like that. So why don't we just take the power of God unto salvation, the word of God, the New Testament in Hebrew, in the heart language of the Jewish people, take it outside of the book, put it on YouTube in video clips, chapter by chapter, and then promote it to Jewish people to hear and watch it and able to connect us, contact us through that. So I want to show you an example of Matthew chapter 1 in Hebrew. If you can, Jeff, my Jewish friend, if you can please play Matthew chapter 1. Now, after like 35 seconds, when we get to David, I'll ask you to skip a minute. Okay, so we can save a minute here. I just wanted to have a little taste like that. So see how the people of Israel hear the gospel today by the thousands. And and, uh, so you'll have a, a, a visual picture of that. ספר so יוחסין
1: של ישוע המשיח In בן nimble. דוד בן אברהם. ספר היוחסין של ישוע המשיח בן דוד בן אברהם. אברהם הוליד את יצחק. יצחק הוליד את יעקב, ויעקב הוליד את יהודה ואת איךיו. יהודה הוליד את פרץ ואת זרח מתאמר. פרץ הוליד את חצון, וחצון הוליד את רם. Can you stop here for a second?
0: Okay, we got to King David. Now, for Jewish people, this is a shock. First of all, it's Hebrew, and it's all about Jewish people. There's not even non-Jew mentioned here, and we hear about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Oh, so it does relate to us, this New Testament book. Okay, and now King David? We all know the Messiah should come from King David. It's not a coincidence that God chose to start the writing of the New Testament with Matthew chapter 1 with the genealogy. It's not boring. It's powerful. It's the Word of God, and this is what proves that He is the Messiah. Okay? So we want to see. we got all the way to... If you can skip to, well, like, one and a half minutes. Or like if you go, like, here or something, let's say. Like, over here.
1: Okay, if you play here, that'll be okay. The Eliakim, who did it Azur. Azur who did it Sadok, Sadok who did it Yahin, the Yahin who did it Eliud. Eliud who did it Azar, El Azar who did it Matan, who Matan who did it Yaakov. Yaakov who did it Yosef, Baal Miriam, Asher Mimena Nolad Yeshua. Yeshua was Mashiach. Mashiach,
0: Messiah. Well, it's Jewish, right? So we need to communicate it as a Jewish message. Yeah, you can continue.
1: כל הדורות מאברاهם עד דוד ארבעה עשר דורות ומי דוד עד גלות בבל ארבעה עשר דורות ומי בבל עד המשיח ארבעה עשר דורות
0: about...
1: כך הולדת ישוע Yeshua, המשיח it it לוסף, verse verse, לרוח הקודש. יוסף בעלה, שהיה צדיק ולא רצה להציג אותה לחרפה, החליט לשלח אותה בסתר. בעוד שהיה מהרהר בזה, נראה אליו אדוני בחלום ואמר, יוסף בן דוד, אל תחשוש לקחת אליך את מרים אשתך, כי אשר הורה בה מרוח הוא. היא בן, ואתה תקרא שמו ישוע, כי הוא את כל זה is wrong יתקיים מה אדוני בפי the ben the Emmanuel. he Yeshua. Yeshua. Matthew chapter 1 ends with the word Yeshua.
0: As I said, the number of viewers already seeing that. The only reason why I don't have like 10 times more views, it's because I was patient. How do I get each one of those views? I work through a system. Every view like that, each of those chapters cost me $3,000. That's an average in Matthew, You have about 31 verses per chapter on average. So that turns to be about $100 per verse for the production of the videos. I'm already at chapter 12 now. Now, then once we have the videos, they're on YouTube, we promote it so people in Israel see it. It's in front of them, and they choose to see it. And if they watch it for at least 30 seconds, I pay 12 cents. So that's how we got to this number. But I was patient. I stopped it. I put it on hold until I had this, which was just printed two weeks ago. This is a Hero Israel CD. It's all the Word of God, putting together the old and the new. Most of the song other than the last one, are in Hebrew. The purpose I did this CD is to give it away for free in Israel. For everyone that is watching the videos, they will have a place to click. Click here for a free here Israel CD. Then they receive it for free. They have to give me their contact information, right? right? Email, telephone number, everything, mailing address. They, I know where they live. I know they're open. They watch the video. They're willing to give the contact information. Then they get the CD. It's all through music. It's the Word of God in a very powerful tracks of songs, of music, that communicates truth, like you must be born again. Like I said with Nicodemus, putting it with Ezekiel together, that God promised us to give us a new heart and a new spirit. So we're putting the old and the new together in each of these songs. One of them, like the song I came to fulfill, it has the narration and the music and, and singing of the, old, of the Ten Commandments, and then Yeshua is singing, I didn't come to abolish the law, a, but to fulfill the law, and so forth. So it's, every one of those is really packed together. Number nine, the last before one, is the hero Israel. I recorded people from about 20 different languages saying the Shema, the hero Israel, from Deuteronomy 6, both in their own language and in Hebrew, and it becomes like a picture of all nations calling Israel to hear. So all that is here, and I'm starting to give them away in about two weeks. So you're also able to get the copy for you. I believe you'll benefit from it. It's the Word of God in Hebrew. It's a very unique. I don't think you have any... Do you have a CD in Hebrew? Any worship CD? So that may be your... You have one. Okay. So that may be your first one. And I would appreciate if you take one or even two of them and give it to a Jewish friend or to anyone. By you doing that, that will help me give them away for free in Israel. And then I work with congregations on the ground to follow up on all those people and disciple them. You have this card that you see here. This will give you, again, the, the idea of, of the cost involved with this project. Please ask the Lord in what measure he would have you participate and be part of bringing the gospel back to the Jewish people. Uh, I, you can do it today. You can also do it monthly if you can. Whatever you can, everything helps. As I said, even if you give 12 cents a month, you share the gospel with one Jewish person a month. So even that will be a, will be a huge blessing. That person can come to faith and lead so many others in Israel, so, so you never know what's going to happen. In any case, please fill those cards so I can add you to my newsletter list. I will be in touch with you monthly. If you can do it in print so I can actually understand what you write, that will be helpful. So I would uh, really appreciate that, and thank you so much again for the opportunity to be with you. God bless you in the name of Yeshua. Amen.